You know, we all have to struggle with what we think about pain and suffering, affliction. And, you know, if there's 200 of us in the room this morning, then there's probably 201 opinions on pain and suffering. And I was even thinking about this, preparing for this message. Uh, You could take a philosophy professor and put him here, and then you could take a five-year-old kid and put he or she here, you could take an atheist and put an atheist here and then just ask them, like, what do you think about suffering? What do you think about afflictions in life? And everybody has a perspective. And I just want to encourage you this morning as we start looking at the Word of God to be very wise and careful at whose perspective about suffering and affliction you choose to adopt, Because there are conflicting perspectives in the world today about suffering and affliction. And this morning, I would encourage us to consider Paul's perspective, a biblical perspective on affliction. And you can do that this morning and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at affliction and what does the Word of God say about affliction and and. How can we understand what the Bible teaches about suffering and and pain and tribulation and difficulties and affliction? And it may not feel comfortable for you to think about these words. I mean, who gets jazzed about thinking about the ways that you suffer? Nobody. But yet still, the glorious thing in the kingdom of God is that God answers the issue of affliction. And that's one of the things that drew me to Christianity when God created a hunger in me to search out what is actually true. Not what I think is true, not what I want to be true, not what my mom and dad taught me to be true. But what is actually true, one of the things that drew me to Christianity was its response to pain and suffering in the world. Now I will tell you, I can't say everything there is to say this morning about this idea or this reality, or this experience of affliction. But what I do want to do this morning is uh, to continue helping us, wherever we are on the spiritual continuum, whether you're a longtime devoted follower of Jesus, or you're somebody who's just beginning to think about the Christian faith, or whether this morning, you quite frankly, you're a skeptic, and you're only here because somebody you love forced you to be here. I want you to understand what Paul says about affliction. It's glorious to me, not because I enjoy pain and suffering, but because the faith that I seek to live out on a day-to-day basis answers the problem of affliction. Look with me, if you would, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This morning... We're going to look at a number of verses. To start with, we'll start in verse 3, we'll end at verse 7, and then we'll pick back up and read a few more verses this morning. But this is the Word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? We're going to unravel that this morning. 
We're going to unpack that this morning and seek to understand it and apply it to our life. But let's finish with verses 5, 6, and 7. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. And if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. And our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. So a lot said there this morning, and perhaps even more than... One could teach in one message and perhaps even more than one could teach in a couple of different messages. Uh, but if you have your notes this morning, you see that we're starting with a couple of questions. Uh, the first question is, what is affliction? And the second question is, how can we avoid it? What can we do to avoid affliction? Now, perhaps when you were reading in your copy of the Bible this morning, you're listening as I read out loud and you're saying, wait a second, Pastor Zach, I'm not even finding the word affliction in my translation. And the reason for that is that word is a very general word and it can be translated a lot of different ways. And so a lot of the translations will translate it to the word tribulation. Uh, distress, trouble, problems, trial, affliction. That's like six different ways that that word is translated. They're all accurate because this word affliction comes to us from this root word pressure. So when we talk about affliction this morning, we're talking about the things in your life. Students, we're talking about the things in your life on a regular basis, whether they're difficulties at home or difficulties with friends or difficulties at school, professionals. We're talking about the things that you face in your life on your job, the things that bring pressure, the things that make us feel like my whole life has like been crumbled up and put in a pressure cooker and turned on high. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there before, but that's an uncomfortable season of life, not just to exist in, but to try to walk through and to try to be faithful to Christ as you're walking through these seasons that we call trials or affliction. And these seasons of our life can come to us in basically one of two ways. One, we can experience affliction because we are followers of Christ and living in the light of Jesus Christ on planet earth brings difficulty to our life. Now, I don't think this is a newsflash to you, but we live in a broken world. We live in a broken culture. We live in a broken society. I don't just mean the world that you live in, but, but if, if you just pan out for a second and look at planet Earth, it's kind of like on fire right now. And so as we seek to live under the, the peaceful reign of King Jesus... And as we seek to bring light into darkness and to live the gospel in a chaotic world, we will face hardships because of that. Now, that's not my promise to you. That's the promise of Jesus Christ himself, who himself faced affliction and difficulty in the world. 
And so sometimes we face affliction just simply because we are obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply because we march under the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another way that we face affliction. And that is the affliction that comes when the world is motioning for us and whispering in our ear, come away from Jesus. Come experience the pleasures of the world for a season. Come and doubt the things of God and come and, and come and find a new way. You see, that too is tribulation or trials or afflictions. And so sometimes we as the people of God face affliction because our faith is causing difficulties in our life. And, and sometimes we face affliction because the world is ushering us outside of the kingdom of God and saying, come and drink deeply of the things of this earth. But what I want you to understand is that what we're not talking about this morning is the difficulties that we might face because we're living in lives of sinfulness. And, and what I want you to understand is when Paul uses that phrase affliction, it can truly be translated a lot of different ways. Tribulation, trial, distress, trouble, all of those things. But what it's not talking about is what happens to us when we intentionally and purposefully live lives in sinful ways that dishonor the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I want to say that because I don't want for us to celebrate this morning and walk out going, oh, I'm just praising God. I'm living in affliction. I've been living this life of sin, and I'm just facing the consequences for rebelling against God. And, and pastor told me that I should just praise God because of that. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. If that's where you're at this morning, you need to repent. You need to turn from that sinful lifestyle and come back under the lordship of Jesus. But what I am saying I guess, and perhaps not saying it well and taking a long time to do it, is that we all face affliction. That's the point I'm trying to make. Whatever your background is, however long you've been walking with Jesus, you and me have something in common. We will face affliction as we live this life. And so that's the first question. And the second question is, how do we avoid it? And this will be the shortest part of my sermon. Are you ready? We don't. We can't avoid it. Like we literally, as participants on planet Earth, and I know the theology that preaches to me that my citizenship is in heaven and I am a passer through on planet Earth, my final resting place because of the grace of Jesus is in the presence of God. I get all of that. But you and I are passing through this existence. And, and the reality is we all face affliction and there's literally nothing that we can do to avoid it. How encouraging is that? And so the question is, what do we do with it? And if you're making notes this morning as we get ready to really get into the content of this message where we're going to talk about, you know, what is affliction for the followers of Jesus and practical, like every day, how do we live out the reality of what Paul is teaching us? If you're making notes, I want to give you the most succinct and concise way that I can summarize this message. And this is it. Affliction in the kingdom of God is as useful as it is unavoidable. 
And it is absolutely true that it's unavoidable. But oftentimes what we don't consider is that it's also useful. And I want to share with you three ways that it's very useful. And we're going to do that right now. Uh, going right from 2 Corinthians verses 3 and 4. For the follower of Jesus, affliction or trial or tribulation or distress or whatever other way it may be translated in your copy of the scripture, affliction ushers in the comfort of God. I want that to register like not just in your brain this morning, but in your entire being. That God extends his comfort to suffering humanity is praiseworthy. In fact, that's how Paul begins this section. Look with me in, in verse 3, if you will. And do you notice how Paul begins talking about affliction and the comfort of God? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like he starts by praising God. Praise the Lord. When you say blessed be the God and Father, that's, that's like a statement of worship. He's saying praise God that in our affliction he offers us comfort. Notice what Paul thinks about God. Right When you read this letter to the church at Corinth, really what you can do is you can get this incredibly focused picture of who Paul believes God to be. Look in verse 3. God is the Father of mercies, and He is the God of all comfort. Verse 4. Who comforts us in all of our affliction. Our affliction ushers in the comfort of God. How amazing is that? Now, there's a practical question that flows from that, and that is how? I mean, how does the transaction work? How, how does it happen? If I'm experiencing affliction, where do I go to get the comfort of God in my life? Like when your car is running low on fuel, you show up uh, to the gas station and you take the gas pump and you connect it to the car and you either hit like regular or supreme or whatever you're hitting and you pull the trigger and there is fuel that literally flows into your car so that it can move it forward for the next season of its existence. And so if we're saying that when we experience affliction that God offers his comfort into our life, like what is that transaction, how does that happen? Like it might seem too cerebral when we look at it. Where in actual everyday life does a person who's experiencing affliction go to get the comfort of God? I can tell you where I have found the comfort of God. One place that I find the comfort of God is in reading the Bible. And reading over and over and over the promises of God. Because there are seasons of my life that I'm so deep in affliction that I can't see reality clearly. And reading the promises of God anchor me to truth. But I also enjoy reading characters in the Bible. I love reading the narrative portions of the Bible when I'm struggling because I learn a lot about faithful people. And I learned the life stories of people who went through a lot. 
and continue to be faithful to Jesus throughout it. And I admit to you that I don't know your background, most of you, and I don't know your experiences, and I don't know the things that are bothering you right now, and I don't know the decisions that you have to make soon, and I don't know the things that stress you out. But I can tell you this. If you open the Word of God and you read it, you will be comforted by people who face similar situations to you, and God was faithful and walked them through those seasons. But I also really love reading about characters in the Bible who didn't have it all together because then I feel normal. Amen. I love that I can go to the Gospels and I can read stories about a group of people who literally followed Jesus, literally walked with Jesus watched his miracles, listened to his teaching, and even performed their own miracles through the power of Jesus and still were clueless like at least a quarter of the time. And I read that and I go, there's hope for me yet. And that comforts me. It comforts me to see the grit and the struggle to work out faith in real life. And some of you who are... Who are uh, what we would call seasoned humans. You're not young anymore. You know what that means. You know that you've been through those seasons of life. And young people, let me say this to you. If you are looking for a source of comfort to run to when you're facing something new in your life and you haven't faced it before, your friends don't have a clue and social media doesn't have a clue, like you're thinking, where do I run to for wisdom and comfort? Run to the Bible. Because they tell stories of people who have been faithful. That's one place that I find comfort. Another place that I find comfort is in prayer walking. And I know that a lot of us struggle with walking and a lot of us struggle with prayer. And I am in both of those categories. I don't exercise enough and I probably don't pray enough. And, and I'm sorry if you're going, but you're the pastor. You're supposed to be praying. But I do pray. But I think I could pray more. And, and really where I find a lot of comfort is in practicing praying more and practicing walking. And I put them together. And all of a sudden, like in the morning or in the evening or, or when I can get some time by myself, I find that I'm just walking with God. And we're talking together. And sometimes we agree on things. And sometimes we disagree on things. But we're walking together and I find comfort in just walking and praying. And again, not that I'm teaching God anything. But I'm just expressing myself to God. Man, God, it really hurt when this happened. Man, God... I know that the whole church is looking to us as leaders to make a next step, but I don't know exactly what you want us to do. Show me, God. There's comfort in just walking and praying. And there is comfort in getting lost in the word of God. And there's comfort in this. Like I find comfort in connecting with other believers have you ever been in a season of life where somebody just showed up for you and it brought comfort, it brought blessing? And so this morning we're asking, what is the 
Like, what is the function of pain in our life? What is the function of affliction in our life? And one of the things that Paul has communicated to us this morning, and he was originally saying it to the church at Corinth, but he, he says it to us as well, is that affliction ushers in the comfort of God. But it also prepares us to serve others. And if you're making notes this morning, that's the second function of affliction in our life. You see, here's what I know about many of us in this room. We love God and we have a heart for people. And maybe you have a heart for young people or maybe you have a heart for elderly people or maybe you have a heart for this type of person. You, you just love people. And, and if you could do anything with your life, you might think to yourself, I don't know what it would be, but it would just be a life spent blessing the people around me, the people that I'm sitting with at church this morning, or the people that I study with and go to school with, or the people that I work with, or the people that live on my block. Like, I just really want God through me to do something incredible in the world around me. And here's where affliction walks into our life and prepares us to do exactly what it is that is the cry of our heart, which is to bless other people. Because verse 4 says... That God comforts those who are afflicted so that we can turn and comfort others with the same comfort that we have found from God himself. Think of it like this. And I discovered something in the first service. I discovered that I am not good at pronouncing the word pitcher. Not that you hang on the wall. Not that throws the baseball, the thing that holds the Kool-Aid. Okay, that's what we're talking about when I say pitcher. What is the purpose, I ask you, of a pitcher? Is it to fill it up with whatever is your favorite drink, whether it be water or Kool-Aid or soda or tea, and just sit there? No. It is true that it is designed for you to pour into it extravagantly and let it come to the top. But at the end of the day, what is the role? What is the function of the pitcher? It's to take what has been captured in the vessel and pour it into something else. And that's what Paul is saying about the comfort of God in verse 4. Our affliction ushers in the comfort of God. And it's as though we're a pitcher. We are just soaking it up. It has just been poured into our life so that when we walk out into a broken world and we lay eyes on somebody who's hurting, we have something in us to give away. If we don't have the comfort of God, what are we going to pour into their life? Well, if I were here this morning with an empty pitcher... And I got my son to come up with a cup and I tipped it out. What would come out? Nothing. Which is why we need to walk with Jesus so that when we seek to bring comfort to the world around us, there is something inside of us worth giving away. What's the function? Affliction ushers in the comfort of God. Affliction prepares us to serve others. And I know, I know that it can be a scary thing to look into the eyes of someone in pain and think to yourself, what do I do? What do I say? 
You've been in that position before. You know what it looks like to look at someone suffering and think to yourself, I want to help them, but I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I want to speak a word of encouragement to you. Just show up for people. You don't really have to say anything. In fact, sometimes it's better just to not say and to not try to give advice like, oh, stop crying. Well, in the history of the world of existence, has anybody ever just stopped crying when given that cue? Now, look, I'm not trying to create drama between married folk this morning, okay? I know I'm dancing on the edge of that, right? Just look on the bright side. There is no bright side, right? Sometimes in an effort to say the right thing, we say the wrong thing and damage. But here's what I want. Here's the encouraging part. You, as a representative of Jesus Christ, being present for someone who is hurting is usually enough. Think about the last time you hurt Think about the last time you were afflicted by something. Can you remember the person who was there for you? You probably can. But what you probably can't do is remember exactly what he or she said to you. Because the power of presence is really what moves us this person was there for me. And they just sat with me and they comforted me by being present for me. So I want you to understand, you don't have to have degrees. You don't have to have a ton of practice. You have to have a love for God and a love for people. And you have to have something that you can give away, which is the comfort of God. For the follower of Jesus, affliction ushers in the comfort of God. For the follower of Jesus, affliction prepares us to serve others. And for the follower of Jesus, affliction forces us, which is an uncomfortable phrase, forces us to rely on and to trust Christ. Look with me, if you would, in verse 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Now, do you know what Paul is saying? He is saying that we were in such a tight spot. We were so burdened. We had so much affliction on our life. That we despaired of life. What that means is he's saying, I thought we were done. Like I know God brought us through a lot of stuff. But we were thinking back when this was going on that we were finished. That our life was over. That this affliction and this burden and this persecution is more than we can bear. Like this is how it ends is what Paul is saying he thought. Look in verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What is the function of affliction? It's to put us in a space that forces us to look at what's real. 
And what is real is that Zach Nicholson doesn't have the strength or power to climb out of the difficult circumstances that either the world has put me in or I've put myself in. And affliction forces me to understand that and to rely on and trust a God that raises the dead. Now that is humble pie if I have ever seen it. But we need humility in the kingdom of God. And we live in spaces and in places uh, where we are frequently celebrated and perhaps rightfully so. And we are encouraged and rightfully so. But what affliction does is it brings reality back into focus that we desperately need the God who raises the dead. It forces us to rely on the Lord. Now, we have said three important things about the function of affliction. Uh, We've talked about what Paul thinks affliction and difficulty can do in the life of the believer. Uh, And perhaps before we get to this list of like practical tips or how does this work out in my everyday life, something needs to be said about the general way that we translate this word affliction. Because it's one thing for us to look at it in the Bible, right? And go, oh wow, the church at Corinth, they had a lot of afflictions. But really where it becomes real is when you take this phrase and you begin to think about your own life and you reflect on what's going on in your world. Like right now, in the month of August of 2021, where is your soul afflicted? Is it in relationships? Is it at home? Is it at work? Is it in these decisions that you're trying to make? Are there temptations in your life that are like trials or tribulations and they're inviting you to step out of the faith and, and, and to enjoy the things of the world? You see, what we have to do is to take that word and really place it in our life in an appropriate place. And so I'm just asking you this morning to take, a, take the scripture as we see it and think to yourself, where am I facing trial? Where am I facing tribulation? And you know, if you've been at the fellowship for any time at all, that we really love here at the fellowship to take biblical truth and apply it to our life. As we teach, myself, the other teaching elders, we want to explain the Bible, and then we want to talk about, okay, here's what it says. How do we do this in our culture and in our day and in our time and in our life? So the time that we have left, you see that we want to give some practical instruction for everyday life. And I pray and I hope and I believe that one of these points will land in your world. Maybe not all four, but I believe that one of these points will land in your world. Let's see which one. The first one is this. Don't go seeking affliction. And you're thinking to yourself, Pastor, why did you even take the time <laughs> to make that a point? Who would go seeking affliction, trials and tribulations and distress and trouble and all the other ways that we translate this word. I'll tell you who. People who only know difficulty and struggle and pressure 
they only feel normal around pain. And so pain and affliction is normal, which means pain and affliction brings comfort. There are actually people, and if, and if you don't know these types of people, if this has never been you, then this may just seem as new as it could possibly seem. There are actually people who seek to live in patterns of chaos because that's the only thing that they know. And so they seek affliction not because they want the comfort of God, but because it's the only thing that feels normal to them. And I say to you that if that's what you grew up in or that's what you've lived in for so long now, I plead with you to understand that the kingdom of God offers a different way. But another person who might seek affliction would be a person who looks at these three points that we just talked about and says, I want that. Who doesn't want the comfort of God in their life? Who doesn't want to be prepared that when they're living their life and they see somebody in distress, they're ready to do something about it? Who doesn't want to live a life that perpetually relies upon and trusts the power of God in their life? I mean, all of us want that, right? (laughs) And so if... The highway to get to that destination is affliction. Then you can understand where somebody might listen to this message and say, well, I want the comfort of God. I want to be prepared to serve other people. I want to trust and rely on Christ. So I'm going to go looking for affliction because that brings all of those things. Please trust me when I tell you, you don't have to look for affliction. It will find you. Isn't that encouraging? And I don't say that in a weird way. I say that in the most honest way that I can be authentic with you. If you participate in this thing we call life, affliction will come find you. You don't have to search it out. In fact, you shouldn't search it out. Second point. First one is don't go seeking affliction. The second point is don't go running from affliction. Many of us live with memories uh, of damage that we brought on ourselves, not because we stepped into a difficult season of our life, but because we spent so much time and energy running from that difficult moment in our life or that affliction or that tribulation we invested so much time and energy running from it and dodging it and getting away from it that we multiplied the sorrow in our life than if we would have just turned around and by the grace and power of the spirit of God if we just would have faced it with the grace and the power and the comfort of God And so just as some people need to hear this morning, don't go running and looking for affliction. Some of us also need to hear the word, don't go running from it. You don't have to fear the tribulations and the trials in your life. Greater, if you're a child of God, greater is the one who is in you. Greater is the power that is in you. You have the ability 
As you sit here today, if you're in the kingdom of God, you have the ability and you have the equipping to walk through seasons of affliction or tribulation, not because of your strength, but because of God's. And so we need to remind ourselves that we serve ourselves in no way if we go running from affliction. Just as Christ faced it head on, just as our uh, faith fathers uh, in the word of God faced it head on, so too must we, in the grace and power of God, not go running from affliction, but face it, walk through it. And I don't want to glorify this. I don't want to glorify pain. I don't want to glorify affliction. But the point I'm making is we don't help ourselves by running from it. We don't help ourselves. Don't go seeking affliction. Don't go running from it. And my heavens, if you don't write anything down, write this down. Don't go causing it. Shouldn't that go without saying don't be the cause of affliction in somebody else's life. In a very real and, and serious theological perspective, consider who and what the church is to the world. We are the light of the world. We are to be the representation of Christ himself to a dark world. We are to be the solution to the things that are broken. When the world is saying, what now? We are to step forward and show them the alternative kingdom of God. We would be living contrary to our existence, actually, if we were to cause affliction in the lives of other people. We are to be the solution and not the one who creates brokenness. So don't go looking for affliction. It will find you. Don't go running from affliction. It will find you. And don't go causing affliction. It's not who God created you to be. And it's a serious it's a serious word because we do tend to struggle with enjoying seeing the chaos of the world. We're drawn to it, right? We can't look away when we're driving down the highway and there's a crash and we have to look over and see. But in life, we don't want to be the reason for affliction in somebody else's life. May we be the peace. May we be the person of peace. May we be the one who brings hope. May we be the one who speaks gracious truth into people's lives. Not the source of affliction. And that's why integrity is important. And that's why sexual purity is important. And that's why living truth is important. Because when we get out of obedience with Christ... We not only hurt our fellowship with God, but we afflict the people around us. So like a good preacher, I've told you a lot of things that you shouldn't do. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. 
So what do we do? My friend, let us focus and follow Christ. In seasons of affliction and in seasons of peace, may it be said of you and myself and all of us that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Does it make walking through affliction easy? Perhaps not. I won't promise you that it does. And the season of affliction that you might sense even now, does it undo it? Probably not. But you, friend, you were created in your mother's womb to fix your eyes on Jesus and follow him no matter what you face in this life. And I plead with you this morning. I plead with you to make that decision to focus and follow on Jesus no matter what you face. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow with me for prayer? Can I ask you to do one thing before we pray? Can I ask you, as your eyes are closed, to take a walk in your mind through things past and things current that if you were to label them as you walk through those memories in your mind, like if you just had a permanent magic marker I want you to label some of those experiences in your life, some of those circumstances as affliction or trial or tribulation or pressure. We don't help ourselves hiding them and tucking them away and forgetting about them. Let's look at them for a moment. Would you do that? If you're with us online, would you do the same? Would you step into this moment with us? And as you label them, I plead with you. Don't give those afflictions the power to push you away from Jesus. Every burden that we walk through, every affliction that we experience, every trial that we live through, every tribulation that we face, will do one of two things. It will propel you closer to Jesus or push you away. Would you choose wisely this morning? Some of you might be here this morning and this is the very reason that you've not yielded and surrendered your life to Jesus. You know God exists. You know the tomb is empty. You know the Christian message is as accurate as it could possibly be. And you wait because you have pain in your life. You are allowing affliction to keep you from the things that God has for you. I ask you to rise above that this morning. 
I ask you to step into the comfort and the grace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ and experience the reality that there is no affliction and no trial that has the power ultimately to separate you from God. Father, we say to you that we don't enjoy pain. There is a part of our existence in which we are helpless and hurting and we don't have the strength to fix it for ourselves and we're uncomfortable with that Lord but this morning we allow it to remind us and to force us to rely upon you and so Lord for all of the different ways that we sense affliction this morning We acknowledge that our senior adults probably face tribulation in a different way than our young people and our new believers perhaps face it a different way than those who have been walking with you for so long. But we just ask and thank you for the grace and the power wherever we are in this message to be faithful to you and to experience your comfort and to use that comfort and pour it into the lives of other people and to boast in nothing except for the reality that our pain reminds us that we are in desperate need of you. And so, Lord, we make a commitment to you this morning to drink deeply of your comfort And then to go into this world and pour it every place that we can find for your glory. And so that others might get a taste of how good you are. We pray together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let the church say amen. Isn't it been good to be in God's house today? Amen.